Hello, Sam. Hey, Nathan. What's up? I'm standing at my standing desk. What are you doing? I'm also, well, actually, I'm hover-floating at my standing desk with my, whatever this skateboardy, rocky back-and-forth thing is that I haven't used in, in a while, so I'm enjoying it. You know, last time I was over at your house, I tried that thing, and it was amazing while I was on it, and then as soon as I got off of it, I was so little disoriented <laughs> disoriented that the whole ground felt like I was walking on water. Uh, I never had that issue. Um, but it is a nice, enjoyable way to still move, even though you need to be stationary at a desk. And, uh, yeah, I don't know. It's, I think we've mentioned this before on the podcast and I went through many, many different things before I, I got this as like little exercise things standing desk like i never went for the full what were they called they even have standing desk uh oh like bikes and stuff yeah i didn't do that but they have a standing desk treadmill treadmill i I never went that far into it i just got a bunch of different like pads and stuff because i was getting a lot of foot pain from just standing Uh, and this thing Mm -hmm. still wins out it's called the uh what's it called what's it called sam fluid stance Tell us what it is. Fluid stance. Yeah. Highly recommend this sucker. I love it. It's really, it is, I will say, it is surprisingly comfortable. Yeah. And for me, I'm the type of person that has extreme ADD. And if I was on a treadmill, I would not be able to concentrate because I would be concentrating on not falling. Yeah. And breaking my face. Well, this has a bit of that occurring as well. You kind of need to get comfortable. You know, after 15 minutes, something like that, your muscle memory, you can kind of start to concentrate on your your actual tasks. And you you just move around without even thinking about it, which is the goal. So I really enjoy it. I feel like there's a ton of stuff we have to talk about since our... Our last episode. There's been yeah, so many new pieces of gear. There's been insane weather occurrences. It's that time of the year. It, it is. Yeah, it's people where are, things are starting to pick yeah, back up. Stuff starting got to bloom. Shoots going on. Yeah, yeah, flowers are starting to come out Wh- again. Wind so, is destroying various parts of the country. The wind is just Mother Nature's pruning. That's what my neighbor said. It's easy for you to say when trees aren't falling on your house, dude. (laughs) Uh, Unfortunately, my neighbor across the street from me had uh, four trees, giant trees come down in a way that they were so big and so heavy when they came down. It looked like someone took a chainsaw and like just chopped it up, but it just basically exploded into the street, the, the weight of it. It's crazy. Brutal. Yes. Yes. Uh, but you fared okay? No damage? Any any damage for your neighbors? or No, although a really... So, no, we didn't have any damage during this crazy windstorm. It woke me up at 3 a.m. and I couldn't go back to sleep. But yeah. other than that, I was fine. Um, the weird part is that even now, which I think it's been four... No, five days, I think, since the windstorm started. Um the streetlights everywhere in my entire neighborhood, I think for 15, 20 blocks, are all out. Everybody's still got power. Weird. But the, no streetlights are on. So hmm. it is totally awesome. You can see stars. Oh. You can see, the, you can see the moon really well. And it's driving down the street at night is just really cool and eerie and kind of nice. It kind of gives... 
Richmond a, a small town feel. Yeah, it's funny. My neighborhood does not have any streetlights, so I guess I've gotten kind of used to that. I've always found it a little strange, but yeah, we don't even have them at all. But but your actual like stoplights and everything are still working, just not the streetlights. It's literally just the streetlights. I don't know what happened, but clearly it's still out. I mean, it's still out tonight. Um, wow. Yeah. Okay. I, I don't know, but it's really cool, and I'm into it. Oh, it's exciting. Well, uh, I'm glad everything's sort of back on track. We were out of power. Did you uh, Did you happen to watch my video that I made? Either of them? I made yes, I, I made two videos. Oh, I only saw the one on the uh, phase With one. With the mount. lens mount modification. I, I launched mm-hmm. another one on my Patreon, uh, like a night tutorial, a night portrait tutorial. I video. saw that coming. Yeah. yeah, you have to watch it. I'm excited to do a lot more videos. It's surprisingly... Difficult, a lot, a lot of work, so many moving parts, uh, but I think I've squared everything up. I've got a good workflow down and just getting like a, a workflow in terms of organization and understanding the software and how I need to think about how it's going to be edited and created as an end product at the inception of making it. Like you really have to know the variety of shots and angles you want and the audio and stuff that you need to work with later. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Once you do like one or two videos, which now I've done you you figure all that out and it's it's really nice i feel like that was a huge barrier to me actually doing more video content was just not having gone through making a couple of quality videos uh so anyway it's pretty cool that's really cool i'm i will say i've been using the d850 for the the main uh recordings and and it's laughable how pathetic their wireless app is (laughs) um it's it's not is it the same one that that it's just basically the same deal as a 750 yeah probably it's very unreliable Mm -hmm. you can't you can do a live view feed onto your phone for still photos but not for any video recording not that i've figured out at least so yeah it's really nice to be able to be sitting in your desk or your chair or whatever and see you know your composition and framing remotely otherwise you have to like do a test recording, get up, make a little adjustment, go back down, do a test recording, or you'd have to buy an external yeah. screen to, to feed the HDMI out to, which is fine. I just don't happen to own one of those screens. I don't want to buy one. So um, I ordered uh, the new Fuji mirrorless to, to give it a try. Nessa has a couple of them, cool. and Nessa has a bunch of Fuji lenses. But I noticed this was released, and a lot of people were excited about it. It's the Fuji, let's see. X-H1? Yeah, it sounds right. It's coming today, and I just want to play around with it because everybody keeps talking about Fuji. I'm not sold on the mirrorless, or sorry, the crop sensor thing still, but for video, uh, I might be okay with it. So, And I know Fuji has a, a really terrific app, uh, that's what I've been told oh, cool. at least, for framing and, and all that kind of stuff um, that I was just talking that the D850 doesn't do so well. So I'm excited to try it, but we'll we'll see. Cool, we'll yeah. See. Um, I, I know that uh, Vineet does a lot of really good work with his Fuji Fuji X100 I think is what he has. Yeah, the old school. Um the old school. The old school yeah. one. And it's a surprisingly nice image quality. The the colors are a little lacking. Well, the um, colors recently have, have but, been great. I tried out yeah. their medium medium format camera oh, a couple the medium weeks format ago. Camera. Yeah. I think it's the oh, GX2, something like that. GX2. And the right. colors on that are just surprisingly 
just something about them. I don't know how to really even say it. It's something in the red channel, maybe. It's tough to articulate, but just every file was a little easier than any of the other cameras I've used to, to play with. Unfortunately, the Fuji medium format camera has some pretty limited lenses. They need to release just more uh, shallower yeah. depth of field. Mm-hmm. They need to take advantage of that large large sensor size and yeah, pump out some new lenses. But like I said, Ness already owns a bunch of Fuji lenses for their mirrorless mount, their crop sensor mirrorless. So I just figured I'd try this. It's an expensive, it's $1,900 for this camera body, the X-H1, yep. which is a lot for... Yeah, for, for yeah. a uh, crop sensor, yeah. Yeah, for sure. So we give it a try, but not not going to cool. hold my breath. Um, I'm much more interested in yet another new Sony camera. Seems like they can't stop putting out cameras. I, it's I'm telling insane. you, man, Sony is on a roll. They are getting their act together. And um, coupled with uh, another amazing announcement, uh, this the next, next Sony camera could be a powerhouse. Yeah. Um, what have you, so, uh, I was, it was kind of under my radar. Just suddenly one day everybody was saying, Oh my God, up. the Sony a seven three, Sam, are you going to switch to the Sony a seven three? And I was like, uh, mm. what, what, what's the big deal about this <laughs> camera? I mean, it's cheap. That's cool. But I don't quite, let's see, let's see what the specs yeah. are here. I, I don't, I don't a hundred percent know other than the sensor is supposed to be better. 24 megapixels. Um, I don't know if that's different. I mean, it does 10 frames per second shooting up to 204,000 ISO, roughly. It's got the same autofocus system, edge-to-edge, 693 points. Uh, Yeah, it's it's just, I think, dual slots, I believe. Let me double-check that. Yep, dual SD. It seems like a a cheaper version of the A9. Interesting. It's got a USB Type-C. That's nice. Right. Yeah. I love that. I love cool. that. Everything's thankfully switching over to that. I love USB-C I right now. I do too. Yeah. Completely. Um, but yeah, so the cool thing about this seems to be that Sigma is releasing a Sony mount that is going to make all their lenses, their best lenses, uh, available for the Sony camera. Yes. Yeah, it's... That's a game changer because if you have an actual native mount, you can get the eye autofocus where it automatically tracks a subject's eyes specifically and just all the other full benefits of the autofocus system on the camera instead of most of the mounts that I went through at least for Nikon, Canon lenses, all that. There was always a trade-off like you had a more uh, a limited um, range on the like it wouldn't do edge to edge autofocus or it would be slower or just less reliable, like always trade-offs. And I just got sick of having to think about the trade-offs for every, yep. every change I wanted to make. And this in theory would mean no trade-offs. It would just work in hopefully a better way. Uh, of course, now you have a big giant lens again, it's the exact same glass. And so uh, many people don't know, but Sigma will actually do a mount conversion, Yep. Uh, you can do this from Nikon to Canon or Canon to Nikon, but now they're offering it for Nikon to Sony. Well, to they'll, Sony, they'll convert yeah. your exact lens and glass with a new mount for whichever camera you you use the most, which is pretty great. If they can streamline that and it's streamline awesome. that and make it incredibly easy and not too expensive, that is such an amazingly cool idea. And I mean, imagine how, like being able to switch 
So going from Nikon to Sony with maybe a hundred bucks, two hundred bucks or something per lens, yeah, um, that would be affordable. That would be totally doable. Instead of having to sell all your lenses, get all new ones, which is a pain, total pain in the ass. Um, it could be really nice. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree. I think it's really, really smart. Um, most of the reviews that I've seen out, it seems like a fine camera. It just I'm probably going to hold off on buying it until Sigma rolls out their their stuff. Yeah. Then I'm definitely going to buy. Honestly, I, I would think I would actually try the A9 again because I don't see much that the A7 III is going to do that the A9 doesn't probably do a little bit better. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just more expensive. But I, I don't know. I'll have to do a real side-by-side list of comparisons but there's other things that, that still sony hasn't solved they don't have in-camera double exposures that's a that's a big annoying yeah, problem really um annoying. The, the overall usability of the menus and the, the button placement ergonomics of the camera just not for me also I, I feel like i cut my finger every time i try to take a photo with that thing. yeah it's got very rough the, edges is that it's rough yeah. edges sharp yeah. edges and i i get that it's it's a more satisfying click yeah, uh, sort of, but it's still it, it's annoying. I think that the coolest thing about the A7 III is that it's just additional pressure on Nikon and Canon to get their act together and release a freaking mirrorless full frame camera that doesn't suck. Yeah, uh, at any time we're uh, I'll buy it. I just set, just make it, and we're all gonna buy it. So just do it. <laughs> yeah. Well. I'm I'm just a bit worried though. Uh, so I mean, Nikon and Canon. We've talked about this many times. There's there's some a lot of rumors floating around that you know there's a big conference on the first. I think it's called CP Plus Show uh, Camera and Photo Imaging 2018 conference in Japan, I believe. Mm-hmm. So many w- rumors swirling around that Nikon was going to announce at least their mirrorless camera, full frame mirrorless camera system, and attached to that rumor was also that Nikon had tapped Sigma to do some specialized lenses specifically for their mirrorless camera, which would have been amazingly great because I feel Nikon Nikon and Canon have missed the boat so bad at this point in the mirrorless world. They do need to do some exceptional, not deal-making, but just collaboration with other people uh, to to ease their, their pain a bit in developing a whole new system. But nothing was announced. I don't know what's happening. I mean, in a way, hopefully that means they're just really trying hard to make it right and not announce it until it's ready. But I just worry that they may reach a point with Sony being so on top of everything that every you know when, when even if they release something amazing people have already switched and don't care to come back anyway so I, i'm i'm concerned but also a very exciting time just to see so much innovation happening even though they're with fuji and sony two companies i don't neither of us and most photographers don't currently shoot full time with so yeah. yeah um yeah it is it is an exciting time maybe it's about to be an exciting time maybe that's what it is in 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 photography because there's also a lot of really neat uh and we already mentioned this but a fuji medium format there's some other really cool medium formats out there and i wanted to ask you a little bit about your phase one that my phasey phase check this out the phasey phase i've seen a couple of test photos and they look amazeballs yeah it's uh the hundred 
100 megapixel camera back. So yep. this has... They make a 50 and a 100, I don't know why right? we never, I never thought about this, but th- they've done this forever. Like, the the system... So here's the sensor size. Mm-hmm. Nice. The, the system is totally modular in a way that we had talked about previously. Like, you have the camera body, then you have mm-hmm. the camera lens, and then the sensor. They're all... You can swap to have a different sensor. So it's three different... The camera body is itself is its own thing. Not only yeah. is the camera body uh, modular from everything else, but so is the viewfinder. Yeah. <laughs> so it's totally it, the perfect it, yeah. exact system that I've always wanted. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and I have a uh, waist-level viewfinder, so I can like peer down and shoot from nice. on top if I want. So it's 100 megapixels, <laughs> this sensor, and 15 they, and stops make- of dynamic range. They make a 50 megapixel version as well. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. They make an 80, like in their current offering, they like brand new stuff. They make an 80 megapixel, 50 megapixel, 100 megapixel. Cool. And is it, um, is it, uh, QXD? Is it compact flash uh, CF? Yeah. Yeah. CF. Okay. Funnily, only one card slot though. Hmm. Kind of lame. Yeah, but, uh, yeah, I've been shooting with it. It's got a, a CMOS sensor, so pretty great, clean, high ISO, 25,800 is usable. And cool. And 100 freaking megapixels. It's a much slower camera, uh, but it'll take old-school medium-format lenses. This one I had to modify. It's an 80-millimeter f1.9. And so what's cool about this sensor back is that it's a full frame medium format it's not cropped like the fuji or some of the right. the cheaper phase one sensor backs this is full frame so you get uh like an 80 millimeter lens is actually a 50 millimeter equivalent and this is an 80 millimeter right. f 1.9 which means it's a 50 millimeter f like 1.2 equivalent on a nikon or full frame camera so you get a beautiful shallow depth tons and tons of uh, dynamic range and the autofocus system or the autofocus lens that i have is a 80 millimeter f 2.8 which is like a 50 f 1.8 equivalent and that Mm -hmm. lens is insanely sharp so i mean it's the sharpest lens i've ever seen and it's so sharp that i'm starting to appreciate having sharpness again like sharp, sharp <laughs> yeah. sharpness was something that like didn't really matter to me or i always thought it looked too weird if it was that sharp but this sucker mm-hmm. maybe it's coupled with the fact that it's got 100 megapixels of resolution so it yeah. can like truly sure, resolve the maximum amount of sharpness these lenses are designed for uh but yeah every photo that i take every portrait it just looks like a beautiful painted print almost it's insane it's just got this yeah, weird it aesthetic to it really cool uh, awesome. So you're enjoying it. You're going to keep it. Yeah. 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 I'm going to keep it. Uh, I bought it. It was, um, had a hundred actuations on it. So I got basically half price oh, okay. from what it would have been oh. brand new. So I got a really oh, good deal amazing. Yeah. and, uh, sold off some of my cryptocurrency to pay for it. <laughs> and I was say, it's quite a <laughs> the, the big benefit pen. with these guys is that uh, a lot of the shutters have leaf shutters. So the shutters actually in the lens. Yep. Sorry. The, the lenses have leaf shutters. And so you can shoot at 1,600 shutter speed with flash instead of being limited to one 200th shutter speed or one 250th. Oh, wow. So you can shoot in really broad daylight without having with flash at not a, not a, you don't need like to run full power with your flash. You can actually run, 
a pretty low power with flash in broad sunlight in really, really bright settings with no indie filters. And like I said, no huge amount of flash power. So you get, that is really awesome. Yeah. That's the reason why it's so popular for commercial photographers is really the sync speed on flash. And, uh, that makes, that makes a lot of sense. I, I can imagine, um, especially fashion photographers that yes. are shooting styled shoots out in the middle of the day. The other wanting to have some extra. Exactly. The power. other amazing thing is they have a really close partnership with Profoto. So built into the camera oh, body, right. first of all, every every menu on the camera body is touchscreen and every single button is customizable. It has no labels because every button can be whatever setting you want it to be, which is awesome. Nice. And the touchscreen also has a wireless controller for all Profoto ca- uh, flashes built right into it so nice. you don't have to use the pro photo thing that sits in the hot shoe or whatever you can just yeah the little radio guy yep pretty seamless integration i'm really happy with it and it's got nice. live view and it also has it's the first medium format camera to have an hdmi out so if you want a medium format look in video recording you can also achieve that it only does 1080 hd it doesn't do 4k doesn't do 4k no. huh. nope interesting but it's pretty cool. It's a great camera. I am excited to use it in more of the commercial work I'm doing and to bring it to weddings and shoot and have no wedding photographer uses a full frame phase one. So I just figure no, I might as well, I I might so. as well bring one and use it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it should, it should be at least unique. Nothing else. And honestly, long term, I would love to do a series of prints that were just super ultra gigantic of something. Yeah. I haven't thought about what yet. But even if it's just landscapes, hmm. and it wouldn't really be for me uh, to have gigantic prints in the house, but to do like a gallery showing somewhere, or that could, yeah, that would be just really do like an installation too. somewhere. That would be that'd be really fun and something I've never done before. So I went to uh, I was in London last week, and there was a mm-hmm. Andreas Gurkski. Are you familiar? You've probably seen his oh. work. Um, is he a? Com- does he do like a lot of commercial portraits? Uh, no, I, I, I'm sure person. he has, has done some. He does more of this stuff. I'll send you a link. And Gurkski, you've probably seen his work, uh, even if you don't know his name. Oops, wrong person. Here we go. I got him. And so, what's cool is his stuff. When you view it on a computer screen or on a phone, it looks like meh. You know, cool, cool perspective on things, but his actual prints are like the size of a wall and often have tons and tons of great detail in them. And so you really appreciate it when you see it there in person and this giant, huge thing is in front of you. That's the kind of stuff that I think would be really fun to do. And that's what he does. I'm pretty sure he uses film. I mean, he's been a photographer since the eighties. So this was kind of, as far as I understand, like his, the trend that this is his thing, uh, even though, Obviously, other photographers have have done giant, giant prints. Now, his perspective on having things printed this huge—it's it's his. It's what he's known for, and uh, that's really very cool. beautiful. And uh, I was just like, man, yeah, I want to, I want to make some gigantic prints. <laughs> Problem <laughs> is, like, what do you do with them? So you really do have to have a place that's willing to, to show them. Um, yeah, yeah, but that's cool. Mm-hmm. I've always, uh, I've always thought about how cool it would be to actually do a, a show of something yeah as a wedding photographer it's, it can be a little weird well because you don't I mean, you, you know, produce nobody, all kinds of you, thing, you, you know, do nobody wants to stuff. see people's wedding photos though that's the funny part like yeah you really of course. you really so, do need to have a new 
a theme yeah. almost like come up with a theme something that yeah you yeah. got to do you got to think more of an art like more of a, a fine art you know photographer and see what you can come up with i mean i've thought about doing something with landscapes because every time i travel you know you come up with something really you know cool yeah at least one per you know uh trip so yes yeah, i don't know it's kind of cool but yeah oh these yeah these prints look awesome they're humongo Yep, yep. Uh, so I don't know how long his show is running. I'll send you another link to the actual exhibit that I went to. So you can see they have pictures of the exhibit space with people like walking around and stuff. You can see some cool. perspectives. So anyway, it was really neat. I, I enjoyed it. Nice. Um, okay, let's see. What else did we have to talk about? Oh, Nikon still, we talked about it last last week. Um, but Nikon is r- rumored to have a mirrorless camera with a, with a different type of lens mount, Z mount. Oh, no other news on that. Yeah. I, really, I want it yeah. now. I really but. think they're going to wait until, you know, a couple months before they're shipping. And so it, yeah. it's brand new stuff. There's so much that goes into having to be able to manufacture this kind of stuff too. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, what I'm also hoping okay. doesn't occur is that they announce it and then it's still like a six month wait time before shipping. Yeah. That would, that would be kind of a bummer, but you know, I'm really yeah. shocked they didn't announce anything for their hundred year anniversary. I think we mentioned that the last time, but that was last mm-hmm. year. Yeah. It's crazy. It's crazy. Yeah. But uh, one other thing I, I picked up recently was the Apple HomePod. Any chance you've looked into that? You use uh, Spotify, don't you? Yes. Yeah. So it's for it's really part. it's yeah. really for a person like you that wa- that wants the whole Apple ecosystem and That's, yeah. have it all come together in one thing. Yeah, it's actually been really great. One of my favorite features about it is that even in loud music, uh, when it's like really playing at a lot of volume, it, it, it detects the 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 keyword i don't want to say it because it'll engage on everybody's apple products <laughs> but the the siri key phrase uh at like conversational level from my voice like i don't have to yell over the music for it to hear me which is great and so we also have an alexa in the house so i have the siri right next to the alexa and i've been trying both uh, with a variety of commands and by far the siri homepod sounds better in terms of music playing but uh and and most of the simple commands like light controlling and things like this work great and it's 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 a cool device i also really like the volume control because you can just say like siri turn volume up turn volume down or it has a volume spectrum between zero and 100 so if you know a specific volume you like or if you experiment to to determine it you can say hey siri play volume play at volume 35 and it will do that Nice. Every, oh, I changed it. There, she, she just heard me. Yeah, so. I knew. I knew. I was like, "Yay!" You said it. <laughs> anyway, I, I'm uh, really impressed with it. The, the low end actually sounds incredible. Like the bass is insane, and it's such a small little speaker. It's deceptively small. It looks bigger than it is in pictures, for sure. Nice. Yeah. Uh, another thing that we completely forgot to talk about before we started recording. Did you watch the Oscars? I watched a good chunk of them, yeah. Uh, Interesting. Interesting Oscars this year. I didn't watch anything. I knew nothing about them, really. I I had seen a few things on Twitter. So, yeah, me and and Abby were hosting a uh, a totally legal and not at all illegal 
um, Oscar movie viewing night at our house. And um, we were, for the past uh, like four weeks, every Wednesday, we were getting together and watching one of, you know, getting some people together and watching one of the, the movies hmm. um, that are nominated this year. And it's it's been really cool. So now I, I know a, a pretty good deal about this year's Oscars. Did you see so, um, Shape of Water? What do you want to know? Did you see Shape of Water? Unfortunately, I was the only one that I did not get to. I saw it. So, I saw it. I didn't love it. Nessa loved really? it. I, I thought I was fine. It looks like Guillermo del Toro really being himself and and doing what he wanted to do in yeah. a way that I haven't seen since Pan's Labyrinth, which is one of my favorite movies. Yeah. I think. Okay. Well, I just I think this was like maybe his third or fourth best movie ever. Like I'm really surprised okay. that. But yeah, it cleaned up last night. It got I, I want to say like four. It got think, best picture. It got yeah, best picture. Uh, best director. Um, it did not get best actress though. That went to Frances McDermott from uh, Three Bills, which I did not see. I have literally not okay. even heard about this movie. He, he, here's the deal: like you can think whatever you want about this movie. That's fine. But in my opinion, the movie was terrible in almost terrible. every single way. Terrible. Oh, no. It had... The story was... I didn't like it. The story was bad. There was racism in it that I feel like served no purpose because it was never explained. You know, I it was feel nev- like... There Nessa, was never given I, I a, this. a point to it. I think I bought this on my Apple TV and was going to watch it. Maybe started the first five minutes or maybe I just watched the preview, but it is looking familiar mm-hmm. now that I'm Googling it. Is it based on a true story or something? What's the premise? I don't know. The premise is that someone was... Um, the The premise is that Frances McDermott's character's uh, daughter was raped and killed. Uh, you don't see any of it, but it, it's just... That's the way that it starts out. And I think it was like six months before or something like that. And so she posts three billboards accusing the police chief Mm. of not doing enough to try to find the killer and so that's that's the premise that basically francis mcdermott is going after the local police for not investigating her daughter's death and so it sounds like it's it's fine on paper but the way that it, it it plays out is just amateur and i did not like it at all i thought it was terrible Hmm. the only good character in it was woody harrelson does an amazing job as police chief and Sam Rockwell was was pretty good. He got he got best supporting actor, but I did not agree with that either. Huh. Yeah, a lot of I don't know. The overall, I wasn't super excited about most movies that came out last year. <laughs> I think Dunkirk yeah. I loved, and I, it was up for best yep. picture. I don't know, but I think it won best sound editing, something like that. It, which is, it got best sound editing. Yeah. It got best sound mixing, which was awesome. And it got oh, it was up for best cinematography, but that went to Blade Runner, obviously. Yeah, makes um, sense. But, um, I mean, uh, this was an interesting Oscars because in a lot of the categories, I thought any of them could have won. Best, I don't know, literally, and even in the best picture category, I think it's cool that Lady Bird was nominated, but I'm glad it didn't win. I was really excited, though, that Get Out won Best Screenplay because that movie is just amazing if i had yeah. if it was my oscars i would have gotten best picture best director. yeah i think i might watch that today as soon as we're done i think i might go pop that in and watch it it's such a fascinating movie uh, absolutely amazing genre bending movie yep star wars last jedi was up for best original music score did not win 
Yeah, I mean, that's fine. I think it's cool that uh, sometimes I feel like the Academy throws in nominations because in in another world it would obviously win because the score for uh, The Last Jedi was incredible. But it's John Williams, it's Star Wars. Like, it shouldn't really be winning Academy Awards because it's just so good that, like, <laughs> it's above all that. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure he's won for previous movies, so it's yeah, just kind of, of yeah, it's interesting. What, but the the cinematographer for Blade Runner, though, um, Deacons, I can't remember his first name, Mr. Deacons, he has been nominated 14 times for an Academy Award and never won for Best Cinematography, and he won oh. for Blade Runner. And so, wow. and he, he gave a really, really nice kind of like a nervous looking speech that was really funny and and awesome and so i was really happy that he won because and because blade runner oh my gosh it visually was just amazing yeah it it was amazing totally great i didn't love the film very much but it was yeah Yeah, pretty great it was it was good you know who else has never won an oscar that is shocking to me who ian mckellen he's never won an oscar nope really two nominations he's never won Two nominations. Yeah. Isn't that crazy? <laughs> wow. You know, maybe that's just another case of him just being above all that. It <laughs> could be. Yeah. Some people I mean, just yeah. look at the guy. Yeah. He's uh he's he is the Oscars, you know, he he is awards. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was I saw that in an article the other day, along with a few is other people. Stewart? I was... One? I'm um, sure he has. Let's see. Um but uh, definitely sound editing. I mean, come on for Dunkirk. Yeah, the uh, opening scene just with the gunshots down, down the the French village. Oh my gosh! It oh was yeah, just the, the scene where they're trapped in the the boat with people doing tar- oh. target practice on the uh, yep. on the ship. Just like pings and yeah, bullet whizzing and and the sound of the aircraft engines just being amazing. Oh. Yeah, that's. Totally. It, I, if Blade Runner wasn't in there, I, w- I would definitely also give it best cinematography because just just it, what I love about the Oscars sometimes is that they can sometimes award. They they do occasionally really get it right in terms of a, a per, I in my opinion, Oscars should be given to movies that are not just good but also technically challenging yeah yeah and they're breaking some barriers down or have, have figured out yes. a new way to solve a problem yeah i totally agree and so and that's why even though blade runner definitely should have won just because it all came together amazingly i would consider dunkirk uh as a runner-up purely because of the technical challenges they overcame with their imax cameras yeah mounting them to aircraft which has never ever been done before and uh, in a hollywood movie and not to mention that whole movie 70 percent of the movie was shot in imax which has uh never been done before in a hollywood movie either yeah uh that's insane uh by the way patrick stewart has not won i don't see that he's even been nominated again above all that (laughs) yeah i tend to yeah, I'll go with that. I like it. Uh, anywho, yeah. So a lot, lots happened in the past two weeks. What what do you got coming coming up? Any um, fun shoots? When's your next wedding coming up? 
Uh, next wedding isn't for a couple of weeks, I don't think. I've got one in three um, weeks. Nice. Yep. Um, I have a 12-hour shoot on the hill on Thursday. That should be fun. Ouch. Yeah. Going, going around with I don't know who, going places I don't know, and probably meeting some senators and things like that. You should try and lobby for something, just, you know, while you're there. <laughs> okay. Uh, I want to lobby for... Par- parlay your access into a part-time lobbyist. Uh, Nathan Mitchell Photography slash Lobby. Yeah. Now, if you guys have any suggestions on what I should lobby for, leave them in the comments. <laughs> That's amazing. So, the other interesting thing is last week I did a, um, I did a podcast with the Wedding Hangover guys, Steve and Dustin, and I hadn't listened to their podcast before I was on there. Well, I listened to a few episodes in preparation, but uh, it's a really cool podcast, um, so- somewhat similar to ours in that it's kind of two guys talking. And now, when did they start this podcast? That's the big question. Uh, I think like a year ago. Yeah. year and a half ago. Us. I think I have like 50 episodes. After us? Just about the same time. <laughs> after us, I think. That's funny. That's cool. After yeah. us. Oh, yeah. Six so months worry. ago. Six months ago. So they're noobs. Oh, okay fresh noobs yeah they have 30 um, episodes though including you oh, okay so yeah they do some interviews uh as well as as kind of you know conversational type stuff they did a really cool interview with um nicole ashley which um i would recommend as well yeah it's and, interesting i'm on their soundcloud uh do do our play counts always hidden from people because I don't see it anywhere on their side. Also, I see I that they have a subscribe to button for embedded in their SoundCloud. I have to do this. We need to figure out how to cool. have a subscribe to iTunes thing. But I'm surprised their play count is hidden. That's annoying. I guess yeah. it doesn't really matter. I don't. I don't know. Can you see other people's plays? I don't That's what I was wondering. I don't know what I other podcasts so. are, are, are hosted on SoundCloud. Let's see. SoundCloud podcasts hosted. There we go. Oh, well, that's but, cool. Um, you had a good conversation. Yeah, so, Everything. Did you have yeah, a specific talk, topic? You. Uh, they were mostly. I, I. I kind of went into it thinking it would be a little more conversational, but they basically were interviewing me. Yeah. Um, okay. And it was fun. Um, yeah. I, I, ch- I would recommend checking it out. I share a few, few stories um, about weddings, and also uh, a couple of stories about me and you. So should uh should check it out that's awesome that's great pretty pretty exciting they also they also asked me some they did like a on their series when they interview somebody they do questions where they basically do like a game show where i have to try to beat them in answering questions that they come up with and uh beat them how in terms of so it's like star wars trivia for instance oh actual and answerable so one things of them, that have a yes or no you're correct or wrong exactly I see. so gotcha. you'll have to see how i stacked up against the competition i like it so, yeah it was I'll, fun i'll try and make time for that <laughs> almost all of my <laughs> podcasts other than our own are like tech podcasts yeah i know which are Same. surprisingly there's a surprising great many of them <laughs> so speaking yes. of which i was going to ask you this at the beginning of the podcast but um I w- I've been listening again through this podcast called Hardcore History with Dan Carlin. Oh, yeah. Hardcore History. Which is amazing. These are like eight-hour episodes each. Yeah. They are mm-hmm. truly incredible. 
and I've been really getting into World War One recently. Ah. Uh, my dad's a historian, and I got this book from his storage unit when I was helping him clean it out about six months ago called Great Battles of World War One. I've been reading through it and um, at the same time listening to Dan Carlin talk about what it was like on the ground in World War One. Was it is absolutely fascinating. You know, you're turning into an old man. That's <laughs> just, fine. Just you know what happens after this. I've always been what happens after this is the Civil War. And no, I'm not getting into that. <laughs> thing that's amazing about world war one and two is the just the, the photography the vast number of photos mm-hmm. that we have from them versus something like the civil war it's it's yep. pretty amazing i mean truly amazing yeah it's it is really interesting world war one some of the first uh color photographs of war of war were you know in world war one yeah they use this really weird um i don't i don't know if it was kodak or not but uh, somebody came up with this thing called autochrome, which was a film that used the chemicals in potatoes to produce color prints. Huh. And it is a fascinating color film process. It's very grainy, but it is in color. Oh. And uh, and it's World War One authentic color prints, so it's not, uh, not it's worth colorized. Out. I love that. That's great. So let me let me go ahead and just pause right now because I'm going to have to sign for my Fuji, and then we can do a little un, uh, unofficial un- unboxing real quick. So let me go un- grab unboxing. it. Unboxing. I yeah. like it. Hold. Okay. Hold, please. <laughs> Chair. Come in. Chair Virtual one. Popcorn. Come in. In 1907. Auguste and Louis Lumière patented the first commercially successful color process, which they called the autochrome Lumière. It involved glass plates, a backlight, soot, and, oddly, potato starch, and it revolutionized photography. Magazines like National Geographic started dispatching photographers to shoot with autochromes. Documentary field work became more feasible with this relatively portable medium. For about 30 years, it was the most widely used process for capturing color. So, did you just educate people? Yes, that is the autochrome lumière process. We should always do podcasts at this time of day so that I can just unbox <laughs> stuff. Uh, did I ever tell you the story about the beef? Not with the, It was with the FedEx person. They wrote down, or no, it was USPS. They wrote down that we owned a Rottweiler or something like that uh, because they saw popcorn <laughs> as a puppy and thought that they were. What, what other dogs are like brown and black, like German dogs? Uh, Rottweiler. Rottweiler, yeah, yeah. So <laughs> they were like, warning, do not approach door because they own a Rottweiler. And we had to be like, uh, listen, he's a harmless. I mean, he's I- actually a mini. Dachshund. He's not even a full size dachshund. He's a mini. I mean, I know that I know that popcorn is a vicious beast, but he's also the size of, you know, your a foot. potato. <laughs> yeah, uh, a large so, potato. Okay, I'm unboxing here. I got the Fuji, and I also got something else called Castar. I'm gonna open that first because I have no idea what it is. Help us improve. What is Castar? Uh, convenience of life is what it says on the box. So let's see what this is that's so convenient. A new shaving kit, perhaps? Just a battery charger. 
You don't even know what it is. I have he no doesn't idea. know. Oh, I know what this is for. I know what this is for. So uh, Mm. to to have a bit more consistency, right now with my videos, I'm just using window light. But I want to be able to do videos if it's dark out, super bright out, whatever. Uh, So I I bought some video LED panels, and these are the backup batteries and rechargers for those. The panels haven't actually come yet. Excellent. All right, let's get to this Fuji situation. Okay, here's the box. Ooh, it's all black. Or is it dark blue? It's black. I don't know. Abby says I have blindness, so it's a great. I don't know what quality are. for any photographer to have. Really. Yep. We got. I'm like, oh, that's that actress from Ugly Manuals. Jane the Virgin. She's like, no. Here it is. Let's see how it feels. Ooh. Oh man, I wish you guys could see this right now. This is just wonderful. Ooh, nice. I like their flippy screen has such oh. a solid snappiness to it. Cool flippy screen. Okay, I'll I'll describe what you're doing. So now he's rotating the camera in his hands. <laughs> yeah. He's looking around. It has a camera cap on the front to you know keep dust out of the sensor. That's very cool. So let's see we got old school USB, we got mini hdmi headphone jack that's nice and a microphone input so i'm excited. now does it have a lightning iphone jack that would be uh, awesome but no okay so that's it i don't have a lens with me but th- what thanks um, for coming along on that unboxing well i'm I, i'm sweating i'm it's <laughs> exhilarating so we are cheating a bit because i'm going to do an actual unboxing video right after this okay that's on a podcast. I, just, I don't see it being very useful. Now but I just ne- feel used. Next episode, we'll, I'll give you, you know, a more detailed and interesting update on how it's actually shooting and, and all that good stuff. Cool. Um, hey, speaking of which, um, what are you doing next Friday? Trying to hang out? Like this one coming up? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm going to hang out. Uh, I'm leaving on Sunday for Barcelona. Barcelona. Conference workshop deal. Cool. Be there for five, six days. Long time. Wow. Anyway, uh, I'm going to go play with this camera, and then we can play some Doom, and this is a good place to wrap it up. So enjoy great. your World you War One podcast. And Oh, uh, I will. Let's keep an eye on those Nikon rumors. Yep. Um, let us know in the comments what we can do next time to talk about. Okay, bye. Okay, bye.